No, but I just wanted to just welcome everybody. It's so good to see you. There are a number of us away, but it's good those, the, the good looking, we've got the good looking crowd today, at least, you know, so praise God. But just to recap what happened here last Sunday. Last Sunday, Pastor Andy shared the vision of the church, for, shared down the vision for us as a church for 2022. And you know, it's just such an important aspect of our lives that each one of us actually has a vision for our own lives. Regardless of age, regardless of circumstances, we need a vision for our own lives, be it in our personal lives, our family lives, our church life. We need a vision. And in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, in the New King James, or well, the King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. The people perish. And that word perish is the Greek word para. Am I right, hey, Byron? Para. And it means to become unbridled, to be let loose. You know, like when, 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 when as ladies, we, tear, we, we tie our hair up when we're taking off our makeup and doing all that kind of thing. And then we let our hair down. That's what it is. Without vision, that's what it's like. It becomes loose. And you know, when I was growing up, I used to go horse riding. And, um, and I, I, I lived for horses. I just, I was mad over horses. And while we were riding, the horses would be so well disciplined because they'd been trained that way. So they'd be, they'd, they'd, we'd go through their different gates, you know, we'd do a little sitting trot and a rising trot and a canter. We'd do a little bit of dressage and we'd do a little bit of jumping and that would be perfect. But then at the end of the session, we would walk the, we'd, we'd take the bridle off, we'd take the saddle off, we'd take the horse out to the field and we'd let them run loose. And I tell you what, it always amazed me to see how they would just go from being this bridled, self-controlled, disciplined horse to this wild horse that would just prance around, cavort, it would buck, it would kick, it would gallop around in circles. And that's what it is to be without a vision. You do, you go, you, 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 you expending a lot of energy, but going nowhere. Because the horse was just doing what he wanted to do, but totally unbridled and let loose. So if we have no vision, we could land up going around like that horse in meaningless circles. It could look like we're busy, and we can be busy, but we're going nowhere. It's like sitting in a rocking chair. You know, you, 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 you push yourself off and you start rocking, and there's a lot of motion, but you're not going anywhere. And that's what it's like to have no vision. So we need a vision for our lives, and um, our church lives, as well as our personal lives. And I love the vision that Pastor Andy cast last week. If you haven't watched it, I encourage you, it's on the website, it's on the app, it's all over the place, go and watch, and it's, I think I emailed it out earlier the week, watch the video, okay. But the, 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 the vision of the church is based on the great commission, commission. So the vision of the church is the mission, and it's about communicating the gospel, it's about knowing how to, how to communicate the gospel, about preaching the gospel, baptizing people, whether it's water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism, I'm so excited about this stuff, laying hands on the sick, seeing them healed. Come on, this is, this is happening in our midst already. We're seeing lives healed and liberated by the power of God. Somebody who's been sober for a year, come on, that's victory, that's liberty, that is breakthrough. And just, I don't know what it is, but I tell you what, our hearts are quickened. 
our hearts are quickened, and I'm just so aware there is no time to waste. We've got to get off our rusty dusties. This thing called life is not a dress rehearsal. We don't go through the motions and say, okay, well, I'm mucked up now, so now I'll start again. Praise God for second chances. There are second chances, and I'm not condemning anybody, but this is not a dress rehearsal. We cannot afford to waste another day. I love the passion that, that, that Byron has for men's ministry. I'm telling you, men, you better hold on to your seatbelts because you're about to take off. God is at work amongst us. And I just love how we, how we started off this year spending those 31 days in breakthrough prayer. And just earlier this week, I read a, a quote by Andrew Murray, and he said that prayer is grasping the power of heaven. That's what prayer is. It's about grasping the power of heaven. And now we've gone through 10 days of fasting. And what Andrew Murray's quote goes on to say is that fasting is when we loose our hold on earthly pleasures. And then, but it's not just loosening our hold on earthly pleasures. It's about growing spiritually, getting, putting a bit of a zeal under us, but being strengthened spiritually. So we're coming out of this period of incarceration, of imprisonment, because that's what it's felt like at times, this lockdown that we've had for 18 months. We're coming out of that season, praise God. Who would have guessed it would have gone on for so long? But it did. But we're coming out of it. And we're not coming out weak and feeble. We're coming out stronger. We are coming out stronger. We're coming out with breakthrough. We're coming out in victory. You know, if you take the 31 days of prayer and the 10 days of fasting, I like my maths, that comes to 41 days. So 41 out of 365 days of a year, that's 11%. 11%, the start of this year has been just embedded in prayer, in fasting, in seeking God. It's like the first fruits, isn't it? 11%, not just 10%, 11%. We're going, we're going over and above this year. There's no holding us back. So we can't have the mentality that tomorrow's another day. More is noch a dag for the South Africans. Yeah, or manana, as the Spanish people would say. I think I can't think of any other language. Those are the only ones I know. <laughs> but we can't live our lives saying tomorrow's, tomorrow's another day. We've got to forget that mentality. We can't go through life like that. And in, two, in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, it won't come up on the screen, but make a note of it. But there's an account there about the sons of Issachar. The sons of Issachar. And what it speaks about is, it says, that not only did they understand the times and the seasons that they were in, but also what they ought to do in that season. So it's important that we recognize the times and the seasons that we are in, but not just recognize the season we're in, but what are we going to do about it? We can't keep doing the same thing the same way and expect a different result. That's the first sign of madness. No, we're going to get rid of last season. You know, it's time to throw away our track suits and our slippers. It's time to get out of that, that, that Zoom mode. Oh, I got so tired of Zoom. But hey, praise God for Zoom, because we still pray on Zoom every, every second week. But we're going to get rid of those, those track suits and those slippers. And we're going to take out our trainers. I was going to wear my trainers today, but then it was raining, and I didn't want them to get wet, because they're a little bit... 
girlish like that. But we're going to be suitably dressed for the season that's ahead. We're not going to be coming out in our pajamas next Sunday. Okay, people, it's not a pajama party. Come suitably dressed. There's a race that is set before each one of us, and we've got to be ready for it. We've got to be ready to run our best lap yet. So Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, we also... Therefore, we also, he's referring now back to 11, chapter 11, the faith hall of fame, Hebrews chapter 11. He says, them, but now us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's talking about the guys in Hebrews 11, the guys that have gone before him. Since we're surrounded by this grandstand, a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus. He's already run the race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that line in there. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance. So Hebrews 12 there is referring to the, to, in, to the heroes of faith in the previous chapter. And we see there, he, spe- he mentions Jesus, looking unto Jesus. Jesus has run his race. The guys in Hebrews 11, they've run re- their race. We've got our race. We've got our race. This is our time. This is our season to run around, to run our race. And we're not going to be running around in meaningless circles, para. We're not going to be like that horse. No, we're going to run with vision. We're going to run with perseverance. And we're going to run with passion. This is going to be our best lap yet. You know what? The devil has done all he can to destroy the church. Not just this one, multiple churches. He's done all his best. But we are not not those who draw back to perdition. We are going to go to the very end. So each one of us has a race to run. Individually, and corporately, individually and corporately. I can't run your race, you can't run mine. God has a plan. He's got a race for every single one of us. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 29 in the NIV. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. Whoops, that's it. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. What I suggest, take the scripture and personalize it. Go home and personalize it. For I know the plans I have for Eunice, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper Eunice and not to harm Eunice. Plans to give Eunice hope and a future. Put your name in there. Personalize the scripture. Roz, Margaret, Kay, all of you, take that scripture, take it home, personalize it. But God has a plan and a purpose for you. And you need to find out what it is and stay in your lane. If you don't know what it is, 
then go on a journey of discovery and find out, draw close to God, spend time with him, find out what it is. All you need to do, seek first the kingdom of God. That's all you do. You know, sometimes we look for God's plan and purpose for our lives. It's like, I've got to hear. Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, go serving kids. No, 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 no. I rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name. No, Lord, what do you want me to do? No, go serving kids, church. No, just do what, just, just do it, just do it. Just get busy. Just do what's in front of you. That's the way, that's what, that's been our journey. 30 years, cleaning toilets. I mean, not constantly, you know, I mean, that would be a bit weird. But, but whatever our hands find to do, if it's set up, if it's, if it's a connect group, if it's, it doesn't matter. Just get busy, but seek first the kingdom of God. Just get busy. Make sure that your motivation and agenda is right. Or is what you're doing seeking honor to, you want to glorify God? You want to honor God. And I tell you what, as you do that, as you seek God, as you honor him, he will open doors. He will open doors. Amen. So, as we know, the most important aspect, though, about our race, it's not so much about what we do. I don't want that to become the focus. It's not so much about what we do, and it's not so much about what we accomplish, but it's who we are becoming. That's what it's about. You know, and if you want to go back to last year, some of last year's message, where we shared about being conformed to the image of Jesus, read Romans 8.29, that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's our highest calling, is to become Christ-like. It's about a life of conforming to the image of Jesus and a life of transformation, renewing our minds. That's, what, that's, that's the basic stuff that we've got to get right. That's, that's, what, that's the basic stuff. And then there's the outworking. What happens when, when we start conforming to the image of Jesus? What happens when our minds start getting renewed by the word of God? Then God sh- starts showing you his personal plan for your life. Maybe it's to be the best mum. Maybe it's to be the best dad or to be the best career person. Maybe you're a carer. Whatever, is, whatever your situation is, whether you're a school teacher, a carer, maybe you're retired. Be the best retired person. Be, don't retire. Get refired. Come on. Look at Eunice. Look at Roz. Roz is here at 9 o'clock this morning setting up. Setting up. How old are you, Roz? 65. No? A little bit plus, a little bit. But I tell you what, just get refired. You're never too old. If there's breath in your lungs, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Get serving. Get, get just busy, man. So, but the important thing about the Christian, about this race that, that, that we're going to run our best lap yet, is that we know that it's not, it's not a hundred-yard dash. It's a marathon. It's a long race. And so we're in this for the long haul. It's not just going to be a flash in the pan. The purpose of any race is to get to the finish line and to finish strong. So before we even get running, before we even start running, we need to look at certain criteria which need to take place in our lives if we're going to run our best lap yet. And so the first, my first point is we need to be prepared. First P is preparation. No athlete arrives at the stadium on the day of the, of the event 
in their slippers and their pyjamas and climbs into the starting blocks. No athlete will do that. They need training before the event. And I googled this stuff, so I mean, believe you me, I've never run a marathon, okay, so I'm not speaking from experience, I'm speaking from Google. But to, in order to run a marathon, which is 42 kilometers, that requires at least 20 weeks of training, 20 weeks. And in those 20 weeks, in each week, you need to run between 20 and 24 kilometers. So I know from, for, my own, for my own sake, there's no way that starting week one, I'm gonna go run 20 kilometers this week. It's not gonna happen. So you need to even take a step further back. And I think during lockdown, there was the start of this thing called the couch to 5K. The couch to 5K. So if you, we've all become like little couch potatoes during the lockdown. And now we suddenly realized, whoops, we're spreading out a little bit. Let's get rid of some of this extra weight that we're carrying. We can't run with this extra weight, this extra baggage. So we, there's this couch to 5K plan. And that takes 10 weeks, 10 weeks. Your first week, week, week one, day one, you run one minute, you walk two minutes. You run one minute, you walk two minutes. You do it five times. That's day one. And you carry on increasing it, and you have days of rest and all this type of thing in between. But it takes you 10 weeks to go from the couch to running a 5K. And then it'll take you an additional 20 weeks to get to a marathon, marathon level. But I still think it actually will take longer than that. But throughout the Bible, we see number of people who go through some examples of people who went through periods of preparation in their lives and the most key person has to be Moses who went through 40 years of preparation on the backside of a desert 40 years of preparation David King David he fought the lion and the bear before he fought Goliath David Ran, he, he ran for years being hunted down by Saul. And yet, during that time, it, it was in his power to kill Saul. But he didn't do it. He said, I will not lift my hand to God's anointed. He, he, he lived by his integrity. In fact, Psalm 26, he says, the psalmist David said, I have walked in my integrity. David's character was tested. His character was tested. And he was tested before he was entrusted to become with the position of the king of Israel. And that's what happens. There will always be a season of testing. There will always be a season of testing before the entrusting takes place. That's important. So make sure you've got the character to hold you to where your gifting is taking you. I've seen so many people fall because they haven't got the character to take them where their gifting is taking them. It's so important. So Moses, we see David, Jesus, as a young boy in the temple. Remember, at the age of 12, he was in, he was in the temple. His parents lost him, you know, and there he was in the temple. But the Bible says that Jesus, the Son of God, increased in wisdom and stature. I love that. Jesus himself, the Son of God, increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. It was a process. Even Jesus went through the process. 
And then he waited for the right time after his baptism. But he went through 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. That's a lot of preparation. The Apostle Paul went through 17 years of preparation. And you'd have thought, but, you know, this guy had such understanding. He talks about, you know, Paul describes himself that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He knew everything about it, but that was the problem. You know, he knew it from a legalistic, religious point of view until he got saved on, the ro- on that Damascus Road experience, when he had this Damascus Road experience. And there he had, then for 17 years, he got the revelation. He got the understanding of the spiritual aspect, the spiritual outworking of salvation for 17 years. You know, I go and have a quiet time, and I think I'm doing good, you know, when I've meditated on the scripture for 15 minutes. You know, 17 years. 17 years. So if you're going to do anything for Jesus, there's going to be days of preparation. Get ready for your days of preparation. Days of, and days of preparation are never wasted. You know, sometimes you think, but, you know, what can I learn from putting out chairs? It's amazing what God can teach us, you know, about, I don't know, all kinds of things. I won't preempt him. But you've just got to know what is your race. What is it that God has called you to do? Those heroes of faith, they ran their race. Jesus has run his race. It's time for us to run our race. Only you can reach your neighbors, your family, your colleagues, the people that you're in contact with. So how you live your life matters. How you live life counts. Get involved in church. We are so grateful for the people that are stepping up. We really are for the people that are here week in, week out, nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. They're the first to arrive, they're the last to leave. And they set up. Oh, we couldn't do it alone. But, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying, I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not looking at anybody, but maybe just rock up here one day at nine o'clock and see what, see what happens. Sometimes it can get a bit difficult, awkward, but come anyway. Maybe God wants to do something in your life, maybe he wants to do something in our lives, but come, come to the movie nights. Get, get praying, who are you going to bring to Alpha? Get involved in Alpha. Come to the men's, men's breakfast, get involved. I tell you what, run it to win. Run your race, get, become all in. No more, well, dip-toe in, dip-toe out. No, 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 no. We are an all-in people. But know your lane, stay in your lane, keep on track, and run it to the end. Okay. So point number one, preparation. My second point, be passionate. We're going to have a couple of Ps in this message, as you can tell. But be passionate. We look in the Bible at the account of Elijah and Elisha, about Elisha. He was the underling to Elijah for for a number of years. Some scholars say it was six years, some people say it was longer. But whatever whatever the time span was, but Elisha served Elijah. He he poured water for him. He washed his feet. He Elisha watched him. He watched him. You know what? On a Tuesday, don't tell anyone this, but on Tuesday I go hang out with the pastors in, in down in Portsmouth and I watch them. I watch 
Andy Elms. I watch him. Because, and it's not from a, I'm not trying to trip him up, but I'm watching him. I want to learn from him. I want to see what he's up to. How does he react when people, when people provoke? I want to watch him. And this is what Elisha did with Elijah. Watches. He watches. He learned from him. He helped him. He was committed to Elijah. He wasn't serving Elijah with half a heart. He had the right motive. He had the right attitude. He was passionate about serving Elijah. He was all in. He was willing to walk away from his own comforts, from his own wealth, and serve this man of God, Elijah. And then we read the account in, in, in the Bible where this whirlwind, Elijah is taken up by this whirlwind into heaven and the heavens opened and a chariot of fire and the horses of fire appeared. And what happened? Elisha, before that, Elijah said, I'm going away. You've got to leave me now. Three times, Elisha said, I'm not, I'm not going. I'm staying with you till the very end. Then that whirlwind took up Elijah into the heavens and he said, I want your mantle. I want double to what you have. And he, Elijah threw down his mantle and he picked it up. And that Elisha received that double portion, a double portion of the anointing. Why? Because he was passionate. Because he was passionate about it. He, Lord, don't go. Don't go, Elijah. I want what you've got. I want that double portion. So in order to run our race, we've got to be passionate. We cannot be half-hearted. Nobody prepares to run in a race and, and plans to give up halfway. Nobody, uh, that wouldn't be called, I don't know what you'd call that, but nobody would do that. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone wins? but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. You're not, we're, not, we're not trying to beat one another. We're not, this isn't a competition. But run your race. You're competing against yourself. Run your race to win. Be passionate about your race. So be prepared. Be passionate. And my third P, perseverance. Perseverance. We look at the life of Moses. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's palace. So he was accustomed to a life of luxury. You know, he was raised on langoustines and prawns, you know, the best in the land. You know, he, he, he was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth. He had the best of the best. And yet, Moses became hot-headed. He was hot-headed and impulsive. And at times he'd take matters into his own hands. And that got him in, into a lot of trouble. When he saw the Egyptian beating up the Hebrew, he went over and killed the Egyptian guy. He just acted, he reacted out of impulse, and he, and he, and he killed the Egyptian. So, so Moses fled from Pharaoh, and he went into the desert, and he landed up herding his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of the desert, not just the desert, I like the way the Bible says the backside of the desert. It's like the desert desert, like into the real desert desert. But that's where he was for 40 years. For 40 years. That was 40 years of preparation that God was doing stuff in Moses' life. That's where God did the work in him. That's how long it took. 
You know, God will have his way. You might as well surrender. You know what? You might as well give up because God is going to have his way in your life, whether you like it or not. So you might as well just say, okay, Lord, I'll give up. I'll give up. I'm, I'm just laying down. I'm laying all my, my rights. I'm just laying them aside. God, you have your way in my life. And that's what God was doing a work in Moses during that time. And it was Moses who wrote these words in Psalm 90. He said, teach us to number our days correctly that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's what, that's what happened to Moses in those 40 years. Teach us to number our days. It's like the sons of Issachar know the time and the season that we're in. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And God did a work in Moses. In fact, in the book of Numbers it says, Moses was the most humble man. And it turns out Moses wrote that himself, you know. It's like, he wore his humility badge, you know. <coughs> but, um, but, he went, but Moses went from this palatial, high-level living to being a shepherd, to doing, you know, God had to get that superior palace attitude out of Moses. And it took 40 years, but it happened. But, but Moses persevered. He could have given up. He could have maybe gone back to Pharaoh, I don't know, but he didn't. He persevered under that trial in, that, in those 40 years. And there's the, this account, this um, Aesop's Tables, uh, Fables, I think it's called, uh, about the tortoise and the hare. You know the, you know the account of the tortoise and the hare. That, that is the story of one of perseverance. And, and, and we know the story about how the tortoise was slow and steady. He was slow and steady. And the hare, you know, just raced off but what happened, the hare got distracted. But the tortoise was slow and steady. And there's something to be said about being slow and steady. There's power in it. So perseverance is commitment to seeing something through and the willingness to endure steadfastly. Even when times go tough, even when times go tough, because they will go from time to time. Things happen. We're in a fallen world. Things do get tough, but persevere. There's something to be said about that slow and steady, about having consistency. My husband, I look at him, he is the most consistent person I know. He is slow and steady. He's faithful. He's consistent. What you see here is what he is at home. He's consistent, slow and steady. So day in, day out, not giving up. And you know what, within that slow and steady though, it doesn't mean that we just have to all, all become like the, like the tortoise, that we just have to become that kind of slow and steady. But even in the midst of that slow and steady, we can have a breakthrough. You know, sometimes a breakthrough is almost like that elastic band, this invisible elastic band that's around our waist and seems to hold us back. But that's when we need that breakthrough to, to propel us. That's what, that's, what, that's what the 31 days of breakthrough has been about. It's about that elastic band that's held us back is released and let go, and then that, that propels us forward. So have to have, we have to have breakthrough so that your passion can propel you forward, along with your perseverance and all the preparation that you've put into your purpose. How many Ps can you get in a sentence? I'll say it again. We have to have breakthrough so that your passion 
can propel you forward, along with your perseverance and all the preparation you've put into your purpose. Hebrews 6, <coughs> Hebrews 6 verses 11 and 12 says, we'll finish with this, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, and that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those, imitate those, like in Hebrews 11, imitate those, imitate Jesus. The Bible says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate those who through faith and patience, perseverance, in, inherit the promise. So before we get off our starting blocks, let's make sure we've got our three, P, three P's in place. Let's make sure we are prepared. Let's make sure we're passionate. And let's make sure we persevere. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.